It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your hosts, Joe Rowles and Jeff Essery. Cool. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I am Joe Rowles, and I am joined by a very special guest. Coach A is back, Cody Alexander. Uh, if you do not follow him on Twitter after our last episode, what is wrong with you? Uh, if you do need to follow him, he is at the underscore coach underscore A. I cannot recommend it enough. Uh, I have learned more about coverages from him than just about anybody. Probably anybody, now I think about it. Um, he has written a bunch of books. He has a website called Match Quarters. Uh, I own the book Match Quarters. I also own Hybrids. Um, and he just came out with Anchor Points. So if you if you like reading books, like they're out there. Go read them. You will learn a lot. I've had a lot of people ask me about, oh, how do you know so? And again, I don't feel like I know much. But people will ask me like, oh, how do you learn so much? It was like I became obsessed with football really young. And I basically buy every single book I can get my hands on about football. And what sticks, sticks. So thank you for being somebody who contributes to me knowing a little bit about football. I am so glad to, to talk. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Yeah, anytime I can talk Broncos and I can talk football at the same time, I'm down. So we're we you and I were just talking about Deshaun Watson. Uh, I, we're not gonna. I won't make you rehash that, but I think you and I are both on the same page that the Broncos do need to be at least trying, even if it's a long shot. Um, but let's let's talk defense because like that's really like yeah. There's so much. It's gotten overshadowed because Drew Locke, the injuries, everything else. But the Broncos' defense was actually pretty decent this year. Like I, depending on where the stats you go to are, but like by DVOA, and that's one I care about because it's efficiency. Yeah, the Broncos were in the top half of the league even with all the injuries. Um, and what really stood out to me is the Broncos' red zone defense was legit good. Um, in some in some corners, uh, in one website, I think it's TeamRanks.com. According to them, the Broncos were the only defense in the NFL to allow. Uh, let me phrase it, to allow less than half of the trips that go into the red zone end up in touchdowns. Right. Yeah. And, and that's within the 20. So like, I, again, like, I don't know how the stats would change depending on where you, you know, you mark the red zone, but I think it's within the 20 yard line. They were the stingiest touchdown preventing defense If that my English is kind of getting broken there, but no. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. But, but clearly like Fangio knows what he's doing there. Like what, what stands out to you about like when you've watched them with their red zone defense? Like, why are they so good in the red zone? When you look at it, really, what they decide to do is they go nickel a lot, and I think really the biggest difference from so if you're a Broncos fan and you're watching the Rams, you're like, hey, this kind of looks similar. It's like that GIF with uh, the Spider Man and Spider Man, and they're like pointing at each other. It's like, hey, you're Spider Man. Hey, you're Spider Man too. And, and I think a lot of that is similar in the coverage structure. I think that's kind of where it ends. I think the Rams, because of how much D-line depth that they have, they focus more on a five-man front, um, whereas the Broncos have the two edge rushers and they have two really good interior linemen, and so they focus more on the nickel. Uh, and so what they really what they're doing is they're running a four-two-five. I mean, it's, it's nothing different than um, – kind of you're like wait four two five isn't that like a high school or college defense but really what they're doing is I mean they're they're bringing in a third corner they're they're playing some zone coverage and I think that is where it is 
different than a lot of NFL teams. I think a lot of NFL teams play man coverage and they, and they do not care where it is on the field. They are going to play man until they can't. Uh, and even when they can't, they're still going to try that one extra time to play it. And then, and then they'll get into zone. And I think where the Broncos are different and really where Fangio is different is he's going to leverage those safeties and he's going to use the safeties as levers. And, and when you get into the red zone, you got to remember, you know, the red zone starts at 20. So now you're talking about a 30 yard field instead of a 70, 60, 50 yard field that really limits what you can do offensively. And I think when you play zone and then, and then you just rush four because they don't really, I mean, if you watch Fangio, their pressure rate is not very high. Now, I think pressure rate is a little skewed because you have to remember a pressure is any time they're sending five or more. Yep. Well, think about Tampa Bay, the Ravens, the Steelers, the Rams, you know, some of these top defenses that most people tend to look at, you know, start really looking at their defensive front. Well, it's a five man front. Well, you know, it's like a, the Butler at Steelers. They call it a dog defense. I mean, they're basically rushing every single down with five guys and they're just kind of maybe playing some games with it or that. So your that pressure rate obviously is going to be a lot higher uh, than what it would normally be for like the Broncos. But if you look at the Broncos, I mean, they're really just saying, look, we can get there with four. We're going to make you sit and hold the ball and you're going to have to throw into zone. It's kind of what you saw this year. Uh, remember Mississippi state just destroyed LSU and Pelini just kept running two cover two man and they were running crossing routes and mesh routes and they were just killing them. And then Arkansas played drop eight and then everybody in the sec played drop eight. And then it was like, Oh, we're starting to get picks. The quarterback's going to have to sit and he's going to have to find the window. Now in the NFL, that can be a good thing and a bad thing. Obviously if you're playing Aaron Rodgers and he's able to just pat the ball all day, that's not something you want. But when you're playing like lower quality teams, you know, or even quarterbacks that aren't elite, you know, let making them find the window in the red zone is going to make them hold on to the ball. And then the longer that ball is, the the more likely you're going to get that rush to hit home. And I think if you look at what they're doing in the red zone, that's really kind of what they're doing. They're running that four man front. They're attacking the edges. They're doing some uh, some line games every once in a while. They'll pressure, but they're playing zone. They're sitting back and they're keeping everything in front of them. Mm-hmm. And then the fact I, – I, I suspect the fact that uh, Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson stayed healthy, even though all the cornerbacks got hurt, probably helped. Because I think if it would have been the opposite, if the Broncos would have lost their safeties but the corners would have stayed healthy, it would have been a mess. Oh, uh, 100%. Because I think the modern game is a – it's a safety game. If I you don't have it. safeties, then you're, you're in trouble for sure. And that's – I mean, and this is kind of like an as a side, but that's, that's – for me, that's one of the reasons why – like. I have no qualms about paying Justin Simmons this year. I hope that, like, I hope to God they do. Uh, even if that means that Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons together are the highest paid safeties, I don't care. Like, I, I think you can afford to do it. I think it's so important to your defense. Like, personally, that's I believe in it. But yeah, I, yeah, I think in the modern game, and I think really where Fangio, you know, I think we had this conversation earlier, um, kind of uh, in one of our talks of like, hey, what is so you know people talk about the Fangio system being complex and I'm like, well, it is, but it isn't. And I really, the more that you get into it, the complexity is not like, I think when people think complex, they think like, okay, they must have like the Ravens pressures or whatever. Like they're just sending all these exotics and people are lining up in all different places and people are stunting and blitzing and all that. And that's gotta be complex. Well, the Ravens are on cover one behind it. That's, that's a simple, that's not very hard. I've got that guy. 
and I've got that guy. And then you've got a guy in the middle of the field where it becomes complex is, is up front. But in the end of the day, they can manipulate that with the front. So it's not that it's actually not that complex. You're just X's on the board and where you place guys is just kind of where they are. Um, I think with the Broncos and what's different with the Fangio system is that the coverage aspect is a lot different. They're layering coverages. You know, sometimes the safety's slamming into the box. The other time he's reading the the direction of the back. Are we rolling strong versus this formation? Are we rolling weak versus this formation? Are we playing man on somebody? Are we shading to somebody this week? And, and then how that changes coverage. I think that is where Fangio is really good. And I think that's where – him and Staley are ahead of the game is really how they're structuring coverage. You know, people are looking at it and they're like, Hey, light box at that. What are, you know, people have been playing a light box. I mean, odd stat guys are like, wait a second. We're the Kings of odd stat, like of light box. We've been playing six man boxes forever with like the three, three stacks. Like what are, what are y'all talking about? And yeah, it's not new. Um, it's not uh, revolutionary. It's not something that's like, whoa, this has never been done before. But what it is, is the way that they're playing the safeties and they're leveraging one-on-ones and they're leveraging the, the secondary and their pass first and the way that they're thinking, I think is different in the NFL. I think the NFL has a bunch of old guys at DC and they're still thinking run first, run first. And then they meet guys like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, you know, Patrick Mahomes, and they're like, oh, um, yeah, we probably need to think about the pass and overcompensate, and the next thing you know, the Chiefs are running they're running the ball for like 200 yards in a game. And you're like, wait a second, I thought y'all were a pass first game. So, I mean, I think I think we're, we've, we've kind of become – and that's one of the things like you, you talked about in my books. You know, I wrote in, in my latest book, Anchor Points, is that you have to be multiple up front. You have to have kind of a back-to-front – viewpoint yeah anchor points are important where you set the guys are that's what's going to dictate what the offense is going to do but at the same time like you have to be able to be multiple and change and not just be like okay this is like a catch-all and an umbrella front and i'm just going to do that i mean and look at what we saw versus the range i mean talking about a fangio disciple is that he had lived in that 5-1 box for all year and they had killed people in the run game and then just with just simple running back motion out of the backfield, motioning to three-by-one formations and them pushing the mic out of the box and playing it like empty, they were able to really attack the run game. And and I think for, for that, I, I think that kind of got, you know, that exposed, you know, Staley a little bit in that. But I think with the Fangio system and what you talked about with the safeties, you have to have safeties in the system because if you don't have safeties, then the system is completely pointless. That's... Yeah, that's and that's kind of because I'm I'm kind of in draft mode now because again like the Broncos are done right and that's I'm looking ahead to because Kareem Jackson's a little bit older so it's like one of those things like I'm starting to look to try and see if I can find that guy again because I think the Broncos are going to need like I think the Broncos are going to need to find another guy to take over that role eventually but that's neither here nor there. Um, one other thing I really like about Fangio too, and I, and you kind of allude to it is uh, when the Broncos played the Chiefs. The first time around, uh, Fangio sat in too high for a, a lot of the game. And basically, they basically dared Reed to just run on him. And yeah, the Broncos ended up allowing a ton of rushing yards. But it, it also, they gave Pat Mahomes up till that point. That was his worst game of the year. And I, and yeah. I, and I, and honestly, like, yeah, they lost. Obviously, they lost. Like, personally, I think the offense was a big part of that. But, like, I love that Fangio 
Uh, the, the, the Fangio will make you do the thing you're not. He'll make you fight left-handed. Is the way I would say it. Right. Like, he'll, yeah. he'll, he won't let you beat you with his best thing. With your best thing, as long as he can slow it down. And I and I like that. I like that a lot. I think that's a smart strategy. Well, and I wrote probably early December, mid December. I wrote an article on my Substack. Um, about kind of that light box theory that you're starting to see out of the the Staley in the in the Fangio system, and I saw I really took a look at like what Staley was doing, um, and and what they're really doing, and, and I've argued this before um, that if if we know analytically that running is less efficient than passing, then why would you not at least give the illusion of you know hey we we have a light box. You you want to run the ball, invite you to run the ball. And and I've always argued ever since I started writing back in, in 2016, 2017 of if you cover down everybody, and that just means if I get everybody covered, right, and I don't give you any space outside the box to say, okay, where's the gift? Because I think when people think RPOs, they think it's like, yeah, it's these package plays but really what they're looking for is a gift. They're just looking for you not constraining space somewhere on the field. And then they're going to take it. That could be as simple as a bubble because your overhang doesn't work over to, uh, over to the, the slot receiver or uh, your safety keeps creeping down into the box. So they're going to throw the glance or the post route right behind them uh, off a of play action to get you really suck up. I mean, I mean, to me, most RPOs are gifts. Okay, because if they're not gifts, they're just getting the ball off because they're making it they're making it really simple. I mean, we saw so it, and going back to the Rams Packers example, because I think it, it it though the Broncos don't play as much five man front, it's the it's the same kind of concept and thinking. And so you go back to that Packers game, they're getting into three by one formations with zone. They're moving the mic out and then saying, hey, look, Aaron Donald's hurt. We have a good O line. We're gonna. We think we can win the one on ones, and now your safety, who's at eleven yards deep, has to come down and make a phone booth tackle. In open, and, and instead of it being, I, I, instead of it being a phone booth tackle, now it's an open open field tackle. Mm-hmm. And so I think with, and I think with that, you know, that to me is where that RPO system happens and taking away what they're good. The the Chiefs are great at passing vertical. Okay, and they have they they use crossing routes, but they're deep crossing routes. This isn't the Mike Leach will run a mesh with with Tyreek Hill. They want to get Tyreek Hill down the field and across the field. Okay, well, we'll leverage that safety on the other hash from Tyreek Hill, and we'll just wait for him to come there. And I, I'll already give my kid a heart a head start. And I think with that, okay, now the Chiefs are looking. It's like okay, well, everything that we want to do, we can't. So what are we going to do? Do what we don't want to do, and that's hand the ball off. And so they're going to hand the ball off into a tight box with people with eyes on the back. And then now that now you're forcing running back to make a play. Yeah, they get a bunch of rushing yards, but they're not they're not scoring. I think again, you look at the Tennessee Titans. You know, this is now two years in a row that they've met a team that they're just killing them in the run game. But then you look up and it's like, oh, they're only winning thirteen to ten. Yep. Oh. Lamar Jackson's got to make one play and the game's over. Oh, oh, he did. Okay, now the game's over and now they're out of playoffs. But that's because all they have is play action pass and just and just hammering the ball. And I think to me, that's where the modern game has shifted. Is it you're gonna run the ball great. 
And and I think that's the other part. It's like this isn't a running backs doesn't matter or yeah, agreed. Uh, I, I, you should pass on every down. Agreed. I, I yeah, and and I think I think that nuance. Like I, I I think the sentiment makes some sense that running backs aren't as valuable as modern. Like I, I think running backs kind of fall into this trap where like for for a casual fan outside a quarterback, the most recognizable player is a running back. So fans tend to elevate how much they matter. And coaches love to run the ball because it's safe. But I also, at the same time, like like you said, it's not as efficient. But I do think they matter. Like, if you don't have a running – like, look at the Bills right now. It's definitely an issue that they can't run the ball efficiently at all. Right. And so, you, you've been, when you be, it doesn't matter. If you become one-dimensional in anything, it doesn't matter. The de- then the defense now knows what you're doing. Yep. And so, now they can they can manipulate it. I think – with the running back situation and really going back to like what the kind of the original deal of like what Fangio is trying to do. I mean, it's just saying, look, you're going to run the clock down. You have a less chance of scoring. We have a better chance of getting the ball back because you're going to get a holding penalty. You're going to get a negative play where something bad's going to happen. And so therefore we're going to get the stop. And then now we've got a, We've got an opportunity. We're, we're limiting the chances. Because if you're throwing the ball and you're getting it, and you're and you're completing it, now you're you're matriculating down the field. Now, now you're getting to the red zone. Now you have a higher chance of scoring. And I think that to me is the deal. I think a lot of football guys hear that and they're like, "Oh, we got you know you got to run the ball and you got to play defense." Well, of course, football is football. It's not going to change. You're still going to have to run the ball. You're still going to have to play defense. But I think there's a better approach to doing it, and that's what we're seeing at, like, I think, again, the Packers, I mean, just saying, okay, fine. If you're going to overcompensate for our screens then and, and sit in your zone coverage, then we're going to run the ball. And it wasn't an explosive run game. I think that's what's crazy. Mm-hmm. We're talking six, seven yards a pop, five, six, seven yards a pop. And on paper, you're like, well, that's not sexy. That's not, that's not uh, what we're thinking of. Like we need to be 10, 11, 12. We need those 20, 30, 40 yard runs. We need those long touchdowns. It's like, but people forget five yards is half of a first down. Yep. Okay. Six yards. You, you're probably going to get another first down seven yards. You're the, the percentages are. So you're, if you're running the ball from shotgun, in second and six, which second and seven, which tends to be a passing down in the NFL, but you're running the ball because you're playing some sort of RPO and you're seeing if the mic moves or not. And now I got, I got five yards. Now we're in a third and two. Mm -hmm. Now I can do whatever I want, especially if I'm in the middle of the field with as many of these guys going forward on fourth down. So to me, it's again, at Fangio was like, look, man, run the ball. It doesn't matter. Run the ball because once you get into the red zone, we'll pack it all in, and you can't run the ball. And then when you try and pass, we're going to play zone, and you're going to have to sit there, and you're going to have to throw through it through a window. It's like playing darts. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, they got Mahomes, but at the end of the day, we're making that the, we're playing the percentages, we're putting it in in our favor. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's what I think against the high powered offenses this year. It seemed like that's what the Broncos were doing. Is basically if you're going to move the ball into the red zone, that's fine, but we're going to make you pay to get that like, pay to actually put it up. Um, uh, so I, and again, I, I've seen, like, I've seen your Staley stuff and it's great. Um, what did you think of the Los Angeles chargers hire? Cause it surprised me. I expected them to go with Brian, D- uh, Dable, like 
in uh, granted Brandon Staley was my second least favorite choice from like a rivalry standpoint. Yeah. It's not, it's not stable, but at the same time, like I see the chargers defense and granted they were kind of banged up, but like they have pieces to essentially really quickly turn into his defense again. Yeah. So I started looking at it and I mean, really, if you think about it, Harris jr is probably one of the best slot corners to play in a long time. And they got that guy. I think they're a corner away from being a pretty dang good defense. I mean, Derwin James healthy is good. Adderley at free safety is serviceable. They probably need to get some sort of an interior lineman. They probably need to get another linebacker. Um, but if you look at it, yeah, I mean, people for again, COVID makes us think like this year was like five years long. Like yeah. people forget they have a Bosa brother and that guy is a grown man. Um, and he can play what's crazy is he's a 280 pounds and is probably going to play edge. Mm-hmm. And we're probably going to see him drop into coverage. Cause I remember talking to y'all about this before of like, are they really like when Fangio got hired, you're like, are they really going to drop Von Miller yep. into coverage? And it's like, yeah, they are because it just kind of, it does that. You don't know if he's coming or not. And it's just part of the system. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um, and I think a lot of times that's why you saw going back to kind of Fangio. That's why you saw him get into that four down because now they don't, he can't, now he can just get with the coverage guys and those edge rushers are really rushing because, you know, they were probably the two, you know, I know Vaughn Miller was, was hurt. And then Chubb, you know, he's been off injured, but you know, at least you've got, they have some semblance of a rush, but I think yeah, going, going back to the Chargers, they need a corner, obviously. Um, and it will be interesting what he does without a Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. Cause Jalen Ramsey was the X man. And what I mean by that is it was like, okay, we got Evans this week with the Buccaneers. We need to get rid of him. We've got DK Metcalf with the C- the Seahawks. We need, we got Hopkins with the car. We need to get rid of him. Okay. We got, we got the X man. we got the X man. Um, he's going to have a disruptive D lineman in Bosa. Uh, so that, you know, he's going to have now he's not Aaron Donald. That's not what I'm trying to say, but at the end of the day, like he's getting to the quarterback, he's making sacks when he's healthy. So I do think that it will be interesting what they're going to do. Will he be more like Fangio? Cause I, you know, looking at it, they've got two noses. They don't really have, you know, are they going to move Bosa to a D end and play him inside? I don't, you know, I just don't know if it now, maybe if he can say, look, I'm going to give you the same role that Aaron Donald did and isolate you on guards in these five man fronts. Um, but I just don't see it. I see, you know, I see it looking a lot more like what Fangio was doing here with the Broncos with the four down nickel and then having that five man front when you go a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they probably, if both is going to move inside, they're going to need to get an edge. If they don't, they probably need to get another interior David. But you look at it in the laundry list is like, okay, we need a backup corner. We need a backup interior guy. We need a backup edge, and we probably need to upgrade at linebacker. The only starter we need to upgrade is a corner and linebacker. We got we're looking for two dudes. So, yeah, like you said, not somebody you want to come in 
And when you're trying to get this fledgling offense off the ground and a quarterback to develop, and then you're adding one of the, what a lot of people could, you know, one of the better defensive minds, you're like, great. And they've got a guy at quarterback that people think are is going to be pretty good. You know, he brings in a McVay guy or a Shanahan guy or a LaFleur guy because that's that family and they're all together. It's like, oh man, yeah, this is, this is kind of, it became uh, semi-depressing there when you start looking at, yeah, <laughs> looking it, at it as a Broncos fan. I'm, I'm like low-key hoping they, that he somehow screws up the OC hire. Uh, yes. Because I think if like, obviously if Herbert takes a big step back, it would help because I, I do think that defense is going to take off if everybody stays healthy. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's where I'm kind of at with it. Um, and the chargers, I think they have cap space. So like if anybody comes available, cause you got, you have teams like the saints, the Saints are going to have to shed talent because they're so oh, yeah. part of the cap. So, like, if the Chargers are players in the market, they could very easily find a guy. Um, and I yeah, know the Rams, the Rams are in tight situation. They're they're going to lose John Johnson probably. So again, yeah. the Chargers the Chargers are going to be able to add pieces. So I, I think one of my big concerns is that the Broncos are very quickly going to be looking up at all three teams in the division. Yeah, and and, and really what it boils down to is, and, and you kind of hinted on it earlier, it's not going to be really defense. I mean, I, th- I do think they probably need to draft a corner. Um, they probably need to get a linebacker. They either need to draft a corner with the first-round draft pick or they need to they need to go after a bona fide corner who is established in the league in free agency and just say, look, we're going to spend the money in the secondary. Because I, I think if you really look at the good teams, they're good in the secondary. I mean, yep. the Rams were good in secondary. The Packers defense is, is pretty good in secondary. You start looking at it and it's like, look, if we're going to be an elite defense now, especially in a, in a conference with Gruden, with, uh, with, with the, the uh, Mahomes, you know, you're going to want to, and, and Herbert, who if they bring a McVay guy in, you know they're going to run some offense. It's like, look, we've got to be good passing-wise. And then yep. we've got the front guys already that all we need to do is kind of upgrade at linebacker and get keep that secondary together, and we're, we're going to be we're going to be fine. We're going to be able to play and maybe, you know, kind of get that wild-card spot. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's one of those things where – so uh, – like about two thirds of the year, there started to be some rumors that like Vic Fangio was on the hot seat. Yeah. And for me, like I thought it was ridiculous then because like considering like all the issues that the Broncos had on defense again, like, and I've, I've made this tweet before, but like they were missing Vaughn Miller. They're missing two of their defensive tackles. Like they're missing again. They're missing at one point they had 10 corners. Like they had played 10 corners this year. And yeah. Even, and even then the defense, I think it was 14th by DVOA. Like I don't fault Fangio for the fact that he's had to have six quarterbacks and Kendall Hinton. So like, right. like, like to me, like I don't think Fangio is the biggest problem. Um, am I crazy? Like, am I just like part of it? Like, I wonder if it's just me being crazy. But like, the defense is good. Like, they just need to fix the offense. Yeah, and I think I think this is going to be an off season where it's like, okay, you know, uh, what are we going to do offensively? We're going to get pieces back. All we need is one or two things. Like it's kind of like if I'm going to the grocery store, it's like I I only need a couple of things, but I better get I need to take care of the wife and I gotta make sure I get her list, right? I you know, I'm just looking for like a six pack of beer that I like and then that's it, you know. So it's like, okay, what do you need? You know, it's kind of like so, okay, 
I think this offseason is going to kind of be like that. It's like, look, Fangio is going to be like, look, I only need a few things on defense, and those are things that are, are we can either all we need is one free agent, or and and maybe we're not great at linebacker, but maybe you know with Von Miller coming back and having these these young edge rush guys that maybe we can do some things with a five man front. We can kind of manipulate that a little bit, but. I think offensively, you got to really look at it like, okay, we have a receiving core that's not bad. Mm-hmm. You know, Bowles finally showed up as a mm-hmm. draft pick, and he finally showed up. Okay, he's on board. You know, what do we have to do? And I think a lot of it goes down to what you said. At every level, it was just like I felt like every week it was like, oh, he's injured again. Oh, he's not playing this week. Oh, he's okay. oh he's out for now the rest of the year. And so it was just like one thing after another. So I agree with you to look at Fangio, and, and I get fans are impatient, and especially with Denver, we've been successful for a long time. And, you know, we still it's, – it's still not long enough that we still remember, you know, Peyton Manning playing and we won the Super Bowl and, and you know, we're, we're playing good defense. We're, we're being competitive. But I do think, like, you look at this year and it was just an absolute train wreck. But then you look up and you're like, hey – defensively we were middle of the road and imagine we probably are a ten, top 10 defense if everybody plays yep you have one of the best uh probably outside of minnesota you probably ha- you have the best safety duo in the league and you could argue that they have the best and i think we've talked about that before you have the best safety duo in the league you've got some elite pass rushers that are pretty good so it's like we're not far off defensively if we can just get the offense to click because in this league, you know, you're, it's kind of like the, it mirrors the NFC West almost like you have to score points in this league. Yep. Like in our division, you're going to have to score points, uh, you know, especially with the Raiders, uh, the charge with their quarterback. And, and then obviously Kansas city speaks for itself. So it's like, we've got to score more than 20 points a game. And so what, what can we do to do that? I think the pieces are there. Everybody's young. I think COVID hurt it this year, especially when you're that young on, on, offense um but i think just injuries and and just being young and hopefully that we can get something you know kind of moving forward on the offensive side but yeah fangio on the hot seat no you got to give him at least one or two more years especially with the new gm uh and i and i don't want to make you unpopular because this is like a culture war to some degree where do you land right now on drew lock i think he's okay Okay. I, th- I mean, I'm, I'm going to oh, yeah. ride the fence as much as I can. I mean, and I'm not just trying to be, I, I, you know, it's funny because, you know, Locke's a Missouri guy. I'm from Missouri. Not that I'm a Mizzou fan, but um, I do think, I do think that you got to give him probably one more year okay. just with what every, what, with, with everything that went on this year, I think you got to give him one more year. Um, and really kind of let the new GM decide for himself, you know, get, you know, we're not wearing Elway goggles now, let him decide, you know, let the new GM decide for himself. Um, uh, you know, and then after this year, I think you get, you know, if you're going to go in a different direction at quarterback, then you got to give Fangio at least one more year and then we can move on. I, I think that we're in such a time now where we're so quick to fire guys, but I, I think people will look back and say, well, you know what? Fangio wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. If we end up firing him, it, you know, I think if he would have gotten fired this year, we would have looked up and it would have been like, well, now we're going to have to completely redo everything because we're going to have to change the defense, we're going to change the offense. Now we know, hey, the defense is actually 
going to be pretty dang good. Now, if we can just get that offense to come along, um, I think I think you got to give them at least two more years to figure it out, and probably give Drew Lock one more year. One thing uh, I talked to a couple other people before, and one thing that's come up with the with patience with Drew Lock that that I think is like I want to kind of ask you about from your perspective. Um, is the idea like Pat Shermer runs a lot of West Coast stuff, like his system yeah. really bursts in West Coast. Um, and what I've heard is basically like an extra, like a second season in the West Coast offense is when you really start to it becomes yours to some yeah. degree. Um, do you do you think that could end up helping more? Like, because I've looked at the numbers, I've looked at like again, I've I've watched too much Drew Lock. Like, I'm at a point where <laughs> I think I hate Drew Lock. Not because I hate Drew Locke, but just because I'm really tired of watching bad right, yeah. play as much as I do. Um, but that said, like I definitely could understand like COVID injuries and again new system. Like, but but do you think like the West Coast offense is kind of like the way to go going forward? Like from what you've seen of Pat Shermer's offense, you feel like you feel like that's like, like a good fit for the Broncos going forward with kind of like what they're looking at in the ASUS. Well, I think with the West Coast offense, you got to be careful because I know it's like a big. You're gonna, I'm not trying to. Well, and not that's not. I mean, even too like you're talking about a lot of intermediate routes. You're talking about a lot of you know just kind of check down passes. You know things like that. And I think you're gonna have to push with Locke. He's got a big arm. You're gonna have to push the ball down the field. We've got some great receivers that are vertical threats. Not, not saying that West Coast offenses don't run the vertical game it's just not a priority mm-hmm. um and i think it's you're gonna have to take more of a you know quote-unquote college approach to the offense i mean look at what the buffalo bills have done yeah. um the the chiefs offense would fit on a saturday yeah it does any, it's any week any week i mean it's, it's beautiful that way i, I like know, that so, yeah and i think you know I think the Raiders, Gruden's going to Gruden. He's not going to really change. But I think you've got a mobile quarterback in lock. I think he's got a huge arm. And I think if you could just if you could just kind of get it to where it was a little bit more open, I think you can, you're good with Fant in the, in the receivers. But, you know, Fant at tight end, um, Sutton coming back, you know, Jared Judy. Um, I think you're going to have pieces there that you're going to have be able to run some 11 personnel stuff. You're going to be able to run the ball. You've got two good backs that are established in the league that people know can run. Um, and so I think that we're not far off. I just think you got to kind of let's modernize it a little bit. Let's dumb it, not dumb it down in the sense of making it easier and, you know, kind of putting out, you know, a lamb to the wolves in the NFL, but more or less kind of, you know, make it more or less like a vertical shot game. We've got kind of under routes crossing, you know, you're making it a little bit more easier, you know, for everybody on board because we're so young and, and just kind of using, using what people are doing to be successful now. And that is proven to be successful here too. And not just run like, okay, this is the 1980s West coast playbook that I've had for the last 30 years. And this is just, here's a paragraph. And now you've got to go call that play out type deal. And that's, that's kind of been, uh, I think it was last week. I, I, I asked, uh, Tim, like I, he, he, I asked him, do you feel like Pat Shermer met, uh, Drew Locke enough? And he told me that essentially like he didn't feel like Pat Shermer basically met Drew Locke at all. And that might've been like 
the idea of like Drew Lock has to grow into the offense. And where I kind of differ, and again, I understand where he's coming from. And I and I thought that Shermer, I thought Shermer kind of adjusted to more play action boot game as the year yeah. went on. But beyond that, like I felt like it was kind of like Drew Lock has to meet me. And I didn't know if I necessarily agree with that because I think I lean where you're saying is like, like do what he does well. Like, like why why wouldn't you try and help him? Well, and I think there is, and this is going to be interesting because I think in the next five to 10 years, you're going to see a recycling, like not a recycling, but I think you're going to see some coaches just kind of tread out of the NFL. And I think the ones that are willing to change, the ones that are willing to play to their quarterback strengths. And I think, you know, I, I was reading somewhere where like the bust ratio for quarterbacks really in the last decade has just been, it hasn't been as high, yep. you know, yep. guys, I mean, obviously Rosen is, a, is kind of an outlier in some things, but you go and you look at it and it's like, well, two is not bad. Yep. You know, it's like, okay, well he was a first, but he's not like, Oh wow. That's a first round draft pick. You totally busted on that. Uh, you start going, look at Baker Mayfield now, uh, how how successful he's been able to be because he found somebody found what he's good at and then that's what they're running now. Stefanski's doing a, a, an unbelievable job mm-hmm. with the the Browns. In which, by the way, that's probably what John Elway envisioned Locke being in that system of the boot and the movement and kind of the gunslinger mentality. Well, and and that was one of my big complaints. So, and I think when we last talked, I brought this up is like that was one of my big complaints when they fired Rich Gangarello. Not because I just like, and again, I was a Rich Gangrel fan just because I could see what he was trying to do, but more so because like they drafted Drew Locke for that, sh- the Shanahan type of offense and Pat Shermer can do it, but that's not what Pat Shermer's offense is basically built to do. And so like they essentially like they drafted him for a West coast type boot action offense. And then they put him in a drop back game and just said, go, go have fun in a drop back game. And they're asking him to make a lot more full field reads He's he's having to throw he's having to throw guys open more than he did before. They right. kind of getting schemed open, and, right. and I know that that was part of the issue. And again, I'm not trying to say Pat Sherman needs to be fired so much as I just like like I feel like Pat Sherman does need to kind of bend here because otherwise I think there is going to be an issue if they're running Drew Lock next year. Yeah, and I think I think it goes down to again who is being who is successful mm-hmm. right now, and I think if you go and you look at it. The ones that are being successful are guys that are meeting their quarterback halfway. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Dable in in Buffalo. You go look at Cliff Kingsbury uh, in Arizona. You look at even with L.A. You know, golf is you know people. Golf still is kind of like it's kind of like too. Well, he's not bad and he's not great, but he's he's winning games, and I think. With a defense, like it's kind of like if we could just win some games and score some points, you know, we're gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think that's kind of where I really feel the NFL is heading. Uh, I don't think that it's it's all the way there yet, but I think it's heading in the direction of hey, look, some of this stuff that they're doing at college is pretty is pretty cool. And if we can run the quarterback enough, it really plays with cover one, which is what most of the league runs. Mm-hmm. And I think if you go and you look, what was Drew Locke's most successful year as a Missouri Tiger? And it was 2017 when he was playing under Josh Heupel and they were running the Bryle system. 
which is a one to two read system, vertical shots, we're, we're leveraging space and we're running to the football. Well, we've got some receivers that can run and are big. We've got a tight end that's a hybrid tight end. You have a quarterback that can absolutely launch the ball, especially at a mile high. So it's like kind of look to where what, what they, you know, I always go and I look at that and it's like, well, man, why are we not, you know, why are we not doing that? And you look at what Drew Locke did under Dooley, who was more of a pro, a pro style guy. And he had a successful year, um, but it was a step back. You know, he, his completion rate was better. His yards were, he had about 500 yards less, you know, but at the end of the day, he was, his average was down. His touchdowns were down. Yep. Uh, so it's like, they do what the kid does best and that's be a gunslinger. Give him a couple reads and let him throw the ball to space. It, let, let's say instead of George Payton, you got hired and you're the GM and you're kind of looking at like, what are we doing this off season? What are you looking to do to kind of put the Broncos in position to at least compete for a playoff check? Cause I think, I think if they're not competing for a playoff, I'm afraid the Fangio's done. Like, and I don't think I'm not saying it's warranted, but I think that that's where the situation looks like it's heading. Um, it's like, what would you try and do? Yeah, I, I a hundred percent agree with you on that. If we're not, if we're not playing, if we're not playing for a playoff spot, then, then kind of what are, what are we really doing? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that if you go and you look at the roster, I think like we talked about, you got to give lock at least one more year. You got to do it. Unless we can get um, Watson, unless we can get Watson, that, that, I, mean, that, I, know, I know, I know. I just, I gotta throw it out because I'm, I'm. People at this point know me. I'm the Watson guy because I, I just constantly say it. But, but I, I do think like I've not to, but like I've looked at all the options. I think if like a Zach Wilson or Justin Fields falls, like I think you have to have the discussion. Right. I don't know if I don't think they're gonna fall, and I think the trade up is gonna be almost impossible, just because everyone's trying to get up. I think right. I would, I think like, I'm, I'm not done scouting them yet, but I'm, I'm like open to like evaluating how like I'm, I'm open to looking at that, but I don't think it'll be possible. But I do agree that like barring all that, I think I'm with you on lock. Um, but go ahead. I'm sorry. I, well, I, I mean, I just think, I think really what you look at is uh, like, let's just go by position by position. Just real yeah. quick. Qu quarterback. Okay. We're look, we're married to lock at least for one more year. We got to do it. Okay. We're, it's kind of like with the the Bears were this year. Like you're just kind of tied to your quarterback. You got to do it, um, and and we're just moving on from there. I think you go and you look at receiver. Um, I think when you look at it, Jerry Judy. I think give him another year in the system. The West Coast system has always been rough on receivers. I think if you give him another year, he's going to be fine. Um, I think. KJ Hamler, who was the other draft pick this year, I think again, you give him another year in the system, get him healthy. You get Cortland Sutton back, which is a plus. You match him up with Jerry Judy on the other side, and then you've got Tim Patrick, who's a 6'5 guy on the other side. So now what you can do is, hey, we're pretty big at receiver. Mm -hmm. You know, Cortland Sutton, 6'3, Tim Patrick, 6'5, Jerry Judy is 6'1. Now you throw KJ Hamler in there who can be a slot and can do some other things. And and now, now you're kind of cooking with gas. Now you, now you got some. So I think, you know, I don't think you need a necessarily upgrade at receiver. You know, you go look at running back. I think everybody loves Philip Lindsay. He's kind of that hammer. 
He's a speed guy. I think he's going to be fine. Melvin Gordon obviously has produced. I think people, you know, he has his, he's a downhill runner, a zone scheme guy, which again is what kind of what John LA envisioned the system being. Um, so there, you know, Noah Fant, you probably need to find a second tight end that's viable. Uh, that's at least a good, either one that's an elite blocker or one that's kind of a hybrid like Fant. And because if you can have two hybrid tight ends, now you can do some things like what the Eagles were doing. Um, or if you get like a blocker, now you can start doing some things like the Ravens were doing, not necessarily run like Lamar Jackson, but being able to do some different things in the run game wise, wise with, with multiple tight ends. I think where the Broncos really need to pick it up is he didn't play very long last year, but what I saw, I was really high in Albert O. Um, but he got hurt. So like, I'm really nervous. Again, I always get nervous with ACLs just because you don't know until you know. Right. And he's a big guy. So it's like, I'm afraid, but like, he played in like essentially like two games, but in those two games, I'm like pretty high on, but I, I also like, I agree with you because I thought Nick Vanette, he was okay. Yeah. Eh. I, I, yeah. Like, I mean, he did okay. He did what you kind of want him to do, but if you can find I mean, it right there, I definitely, I would like a better backup to those two be in better insurance against Alberto. Cause no offense to him. I like, I like, again, I like Jake, Butt. I love Jake, Butt when he came out, but I think Jake, Butt has been hurt so many times that at this point he's a guy. Right, um, and I don't think you can count on him to stay healthy. And I, in true Troy Fumagalli, again, like he's at the bottom of a roster for a reason. And I'm not trying to hate on him because, like, again, he's in the NFL and I'm not. But like, I think you need more at tight. I I think tight ends, the way they diversify an offense in today's game, it's just so yeah. important. If you if you if you don't have one, you should be trying to get them. Right, and I and I think like you said, you said it. Okay, no fan. Vanette, Vanette's probably more of a blocker, but you could probably find a better blocker. Yeah, but and if Albert O is healthy, then okay, well now now we've got our three guys and and we're good. I think you got to kind of shore up the the O line. You probably need to go for an interior lineman. Um, Cushionberry, you know, it was you're a rookie, rookie centers. Who I mean, that's yeah. that's rough. Um, you know, so you just don't know. He did start the whole year. You got to assume that he's going to be better next year. Uh, so, you know, maybe not necessarily look at a center. You probably need to bring in another guard and you probably need to bring, you know, probably bring in another tackle uh, just so. to compete. Uh, you know, so you're Where not – it's so interesting. We're sitting here and we're not necessarily saying, man, you got to blow this whole thing up. I mean, I think we're sitting here and we're looking at it like we're not that far away. If I'm the GM, I'm probably bringing an interior offensive lineman. I'm probably going after a tight end defensively. Um, you got to have a corner. Yeah. You got to find a corner. And if you can find a corner, then I think it cleans up a lot of the problems. And I don't believe in AJ Boye. And I know that, like, I don't mean to hate again. Like, I, I end up sounding very negative on a lot of players, and I don't mean to be. But from what I've seen about AJ Boye, I watched him. I watched him when, before the Broncos got him. He was okay, but he was not what he was in 2018, in 2019 with the Jaguars. And then when they had him last year, he wasn't great. And again, like, you can blame, you know, no treat, no preseason, all the other stuff, but it's like, bro, what you're paying that guy. I would rather use that money to find another corner if, if they can. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think you've got to, I think the Bryce Callahan kid is yeah. good. Oh, yeah. I, I like him. Yeah. And I think, you know, 
you you go and you look at you've got him mm-hmm. and now you've got to say okay we've got to find another piece with it who can play slot maybe the uh, the Amudia kid is second year. He can kind of step up. He's a bigger kid. You know, you're probably going to want him to be on the outside, but you've got to find somebody that can play outside and maybe move Bryce Callahan inside um, or uh, find somebody that can play the slot. I, they, they really missed Harris Jr. I agree. Because he just, he locked down the slot. And then it's like, not everybody can play that just because, you know, and that's the other thing, just because Bryce Callahan's 5'9", 180 pounds, doesn't mean that he can be an elite slot corner. It takes a different kind of kid to play in space than it does to play on the edge when you know you have the sideline as your friend and it kind of is a security blanket. So to me, I think just looking at everything, I think you can do some things free agent wise to clean up the offense, get people healthy and then kind of like, okay, let's start solidifying the scheme. Maybe get, you know, Mike, like I said, the biggest need would probably be interior linemen, but I think the defense is where you can, you can really get a boost. If you can find a corner, either if one lands in your lap early in the draft or, Hey, a free agent that we didn't, maybe a cap casualty or a free agent comes open and that you're like, Hey, we need to go after that guy. Cause I think if you can do that and you can, you can sign Justin Simmons to a long-term deal. Now you've got a pretty dang good secondary. Agreed. One, one thing again, I, I'm going to keep doing this. I apologize. But like the, the thing with Chris Harris, cause you and I agree on this. Uh, I've gotten into a lot of arguments back when the Broncos let him go and like every. Chris Harris's charting numbers were actually quite bad his year with Fangio. But the thing is, you look at uh, Jalen Ramsey, because, like, again, everybody doesn't watch corners because all 22. Right. What they'll end up doing a lot of times is, and I, I'm not trying to say everybody, but a lot of people will look at PFF grade. They'll look at, like, the total yardage, all that stuff. Or they'll see, like, a couple big plays, and they'll say, oh, the corner's garbage. But the thing is, uh, Fangio did this with Harris, and I think Staley did this a lot with Ramsey. You, you move him around and you put him into situations where you're trying to get them to throw at him because you want them to throw at him because he might make you pay for it. Right. And and what that does is his numbers don't necessarily look good, but he's he's a big part of what's happening on the defense. Yeah, and I mean, you could argue that Ramsey wasn't the best corner. You could argue that Williams really was the better corner, but because of what the way Staley did it with leveraging Ramsey and basically Xing out a top receiver – you know, I think that ends up becoming one of those deals where you're like, okay, yeah, he doesn't look maybe the best on paper, but in terms of what he does, yeah. just as, an, as a person on the field, he just is destroying, you know, you're basically making the offense play with nine because, you know, if you're not playing a, a running quarterback, now they only got nine guys on the field. And and so so to me, I think I think you're right. So you got to be able to find a way to get a corner. I think they got to upgrade at linebacker and have to upgrade at linebacker. I agree. I, so I I'm really high on Alexander Johnson. Like I, I think he, I, I don't necessarily think he's like, I don't think he's an all pro. I don't think he, like, I think he's in a, in a perfect situation. I think he's going to, he's a disruptor. He's very good at blitzing his, his limitations athletically do show up in coverage, I think, but playing him, wow. next, playing him next to a Josie jewel, you have two guys that have overlapping skill sets and it creates issues in the middle. And I don't think Josie Jules is good at blitzer. So I think like last year, the Broncos did try and trade up for Patrick queen. So like 
I think Elway and Fangio both know they want a coverage guy. I don't, I don't know if they're going to get one, but I think that that is the goal. That's my hope. Um, so I agree with you. I, I think linebacker is definitely a need. Yeah, because I think that's what you got to decide. Do we draft a corner and sign a linebacker, or do we sign a linebacker and draft a corner? Mm-hmm. And I think it. And I think what it will come down to is, and, and you know, you're not in that the coach's room. It's it. What do you think of the young corners that they have? Do they think Bowie? You know, Bowie just he had a bad year. You know, we got to get him going. You know, maybe there was something going on that we don't know about. Is the young kid from Iowa? He's a big kid. Can he can he step up and uh, get better in year two? And then it's like, okay, well then let's just go ahead and we're solidified there. Let's draft a corner. So we know he can sit behind those guys and then, but let's go after a linebacker or is it the other way around where it's like, look, we don't have anybody. We don't think this, you know, we, we got sold a bag of goods. We need it. We need to have a corner. And then you just say, okay, look, we'll draft the best available linebacker in the first or second round. Mm-hmm. Cause I think you got, I think you got to do that. I, I, I just, because I think the one area on the defense outside of the safety spot I think the D line once everybody's healthy and everybody's together. I think it's one of the better rooms probably in the Broncos facility. So it's not, you know, so to me, it's like, we're not that far away defensively. You just kind of have to decide money wise and what you want to do looking at it. Do you want to go for a, a big time veteran corner or do you want to go for a big time veteran linebacker? Cause I do agree one of those has to give. You got to go after somebody mm-hmm. in one of those spots. Cool. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Coach. That's yeah, no problem. No, it's, uh, and I agree. I it's one of the on the D line, kind of just as a when Fangio came over from the Bears, I thought that they were going to end up trying to get size inside. Like I kept thinking that they were going to draft, try and find an Akeem Hicks, right. And Fangio went the other way. Like they get, they went Draymond Jones. They got McTelvin Ajim. They they got like a bunch of guys who can stunt and they can play with like simulated pressures with, and they haven't gotten size other than Purcell. And I kept wondering, like, are they just going to keep trying to find that guy? Or but then you see the way that they played with him last year, and I don't know if that's the priority. I think Fangio is building the defense for speed and like for that versatility. And I and I again, I'm really excited about it. I I, I when I've watched Draymond Jones, I am. I am probably higher than anybody on what Draymond Jones is going to be next year. Cause I think he's going to probably be a pro bowl level player. Um, he just pops, he pops on tape down the stretch. So it's exciting. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, it, you, you really look at the roster evaluation. It's like, okay, the defensive line room, you're good. Yeah. You know, you're going to get Von Miller back Chubb and Malik Reed. We know can play. Um, so it's like, okay, we've got three guys that we know on the edge can roll. Now we just got to find um, – and, and then you look inside and it's like, okay, we've got several guys that we feel really comfortable with inside. So now we got to find that linebacker corner piece. And I think, I think then it will help everything. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I think if, if you're down, I would love – once kind of once we know what they did, I would love to get you back to hear what you think about it. Um, and kind of, again, I, I want to be cognizant of your time, obviously, cause like you have to prep for your season and stuff, but, but yeah, I, I, again, I, if you, if you don't already follow him on Twitter, the underscore coach underscore a by his books, again, I, 
recommend match quarters. I love it. Um, it's, it's one of those books when I read it again, I, and I just told you this, but like when I'm reading it, I take notes on it because coverage for me is really tough. Um, just in the fact that like I can see it when it's happening and I can understand like what a guy is doing in his role, but like to be able to like go back before the snap and say like, I think this is what they're doing or to figure out their responsibilities. Match quarters really helps to like kind of see the rules behind the coverages. So I can't recommend it enough. Well, I, I appreciate it. You know, and two, if you're interested, I, you know, every week I post an article on my ma- my match quarter substack, and that's just matchquarters.substack.com. Uh, if, if you want to try it out, I do send about, you know, two, probably two free articles out a month. Um, but it's kind of what we talked about here, you know, like the match quarters book is really, um, a, you know, it's my dissertation on, on quarters. It's everything I had learned over about a seven year period of, of coaching and at the college and the high school level, and then putting it all down on paper. And then this last book anchor points is really about, you know, talking about hybridizing the front, a lot of what you're seeing with what the Fangio system does of just, we're not just going to sit in one system, one front, even if it is an odd front and we're not, or an even front, we're not going to sit in the same thing and just kind of manipulating. And one of my big things that I've really gotten into the past couple of years is, is pressure pass and, manipulating pass pro and and why you're calling things when you're calling things. And so that's kind of what I put in, in my last book with anchor points. And for people that are not as technical, I, you know, I try, there's, there's lots of diagrams and I try and and not put dumb it down, but I put it in the layman's terms. It it helps me. I, I, I'm a really visual learner. So like, I'm one of those people like a lot of writers do this. Like when a play is happening, they'll write a paragraph about what's happening on the play. A lot of times I read it and I get about halfway through and I have to just go back and just rewatch the play to see it so I can understand it myself. So your book with the diagrams for me, like having it there to actually see like, this is what this corner is doing in this situation. If this happens, he does this. Like that helps me a ton because otherwise, yeah. I, otherwise it's just, it's, it's a uh, abstract. It's more abstract. Right. And, and I trust me, I'm, I'm a football guy. Like, you know, this, I'm a nerd obviously for football and I will get football books and I would get really excited and I get in there and it's just a bunch of jargon. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Cause I don't know the system, you know? And it's, and, and so I've been there and what I try and do is make the complex simple, mm-hmm. um, not the other way around. So if you are interested in football or in gaining some more knowledge on what the front's doing, anchor points is there for you. And then if, if you want to learn more about quarters coverage, I do talk a little bit about a uh, single high, in the book just because it gives context to what we're trying to do with quarters coverage. I'm a quarters guy. Uh, so you can, you can kind of learn the system in, in that. 